Hello, welcome to the SBS Cycling Podcast for the week of the 17th of September 2015. This is your weekly review of all things cycling. I'm Al Hines. This week on the show, the autumn leaves are falling, the world is over, and with season 2015 entering its twilight, there's only a trickle left to talk about. Well, except for the Road World Championship starting Sunday in Richmond, a guy called Jack heading to a team called Trek, an Australian journeyman calling it quits, and... Well, we're going to talk about Fabio Aruz of Vuelta Victory. That's all this week. Turns out it's a fair bit. And with me after last week's duets, just with Tanny, it's a return to a chamber orchestra. On the viola, it's Rob Arnold from Ride Media. Double bass, that's Phil Gomes. And on the second violin chair, it's uh, Anthony Tan. Except, Tanny, you didn't actually... I played the piano. You didn't play the violin. Everyone, all Chinese children must start off with piano. They don't have to end with piano, but they must start with piano. As in, like, what you're on your deathbed and you're playing piano or something, or is that you just have to sit in, on the stool and start playing? I, ne- I never did music at all. Really? No. That's almost unusual, Rob. I mean, not to have at least dabbled. No, no, no. My Coffs Harbour upbringing didn't allow. I was too busy surfing and riding my bike. Fair enough. You did you ever think about doing it? I thought about it. Yeah, yeah. While but, he was surfing. But then the- <laughs> <laughs> and then you went for another surf. My son plays euphonium. Does that count? I guess. So you yeah. find that's like a big sort of brass, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like farting in a tube. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's always funny. What about you, Phil? Do you ever play any music? Yeah, man. I was in a reggae band. Oh, nice. <laughs> what, was, what did you play in the reggae band? Steel uh, drums? Steel band. <laughs> <laughs> when, what year was this? Uh, oh, back in the old days on the island. <laughs> oh, dear. Good times. Uh, yeah, mus- musical roots. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the speaking... island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Who's Dr. Moreau? <laughs> What's that mean? Didn't he, didn't he write for didn't he write for one of the French teams? He finished the like, island top of, 10 of in Dr. The Tour de Christophe Moreau. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Christophe. Christophe. Uh, He's the only guy who got no. How did it work? Christophe Moreau has a little claim to fame. When he won the prologue in 2001 Tour de France. He tongue kissed the podium girl who no. happened to be his girlfriend, and then oh. there was a big scandal about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there you go. Just I don't know why I reference that. Did they no, get no, married? No but, no, but that's that's interesting. I mean, in the context of you know, with Peter Sagan, um, you know, and stuff like well, that. When you think um, back that much further, that that further back, mm, and yep. when we had less of a, a media saturated environment where something like that, you can imagine if that had happened. I mean, in today's environment, right. It yeah. would just be insane. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, good, good. Uh, let's just uh, catch up to where we were last time we talked about the Vuelta Tani. It was just me and you. But, uh, of course, we got up to stage 18 was the, the, the stage before we stopped talking. Nicola Roach, Nicolas, whatever, uh, French, depending on how you say it. Yeah. Um, he picked up a stage win, which was, which was nice. And then we had three stages uh, to finish off the Vuelta. And it was the talking point, of course, was whether Dumoulin was going to hold on to the jersey. He did so quite admirably uh, for a couple of days. And then the final, the last hurrah, I suppose, in the uh, Sierras around Madrid, he he just fell a little bit short. He, well, he didn't fall a little bit short. He, his body sort of just gave way. <laughs> and he, he capitulated mm. completely. Yeah. Uh, which was a bit he of died. a... It was a bit of a... <laughs> yeah, they're, still it, fil- they're actually still filling in the crater. Yeah, that he left in the it road. was explosive. Yeah. It's a bit of a sort of a sad ending for him, but Fabio Rue, uh, I guess, almost by default in the end, because of his capitulation, uh, rode himself into red and uh, became 
another Italian winner for the Vuelta España. That uh, that was that was pretty much the race. Any quick? Well, I don't thoughts? have anything to say. I mean, you just said it. Really? Um, really? I have one thing to say. I remember a couple of weeks before the Vuelta. Yep. I said I think that what we'll see is a couple of GC guys swapping the leaders' jersey. Mm. Mm. And. Uh, did you say anything about that? That's about all du- I know du- about du- the Vuelta, but that did happen. Well, that's, mm. a, that's a pretty wow. vague assertion to make. I mean, no, that, but they went in and <laughs> out no, of red, didn't they? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. just once. It wasn't just like, there, you have the jersey, Fabio, off you go. We'll mm. see you in Madrid. Yeah. Mm. It was mm. like, you swap it back with Joachim and then you send it to Tom and Tom will give it back to you. Chavez had it. Um, yeah, pass it Fabio around. had it. Yeah, it was all, it was all happening. It's good. Mm. Um, so in the end, it was quite a few of the guys in the, GC, in the top ten of GC had a little crack at at what it was like. Absolutely. Mm. And then, of course, uh, Johnny Dagenkolb took that last state in Madrid, which, you know, Tanny, you were saying that it wasn't going to happen. Well, that was one of my many predictions, which <laughs> I always got wrong. Al, I'm sure you were happy about that. Uh, but, I mean, he... he Come on, he, I'm not a schadenfreude. No, he had to... He had, he, to wait to the last stage, it's almost like Robbie McEwen winning on the last stage in, I think, the 98 tour or something like that. It's kind of that that saved his season because he didn't get he didn't do anything at the tour. And uh, so, well, it's all it's all good now for for Richmond for him, because they're obviously the German team are excluding or precluding Kittel from from that team. Phil, Phil. Uh, yeah, look, it, uh, but I think with Daniel Cobb, though, extenuating circumstance, circumstances because what happened with Dumala um, being in a position to win the race and then the whole team had to be held back. In t- you know, they came into this race effectively hoping that Daniel Cobb was, was going to win a number of stages. Mm. And it was really a sprint team. They had no mountain support mm. at all. I mean, that team is, doesn't have much depth in that area anyway. Mm. Um, and afterwards it was instructed because, you know, um, Dumala did actually take a lot of time out to say, these guys basically dropped everything to help me out so you think as yeah. much as they can. So Dumoulin's problem, you see, was holding too much for the lead out on that final stage. See, what he was thinking was, I'll get Dagenkolb over the line on that last stage and we'll get a like. But then in the end, yeah. he gave up the mountain. You know, yeah, so. I don't even buy that, Phil, because in the first week and a half, Dumoulin wasn't even talking about doing a top, top GC in Madrid. He, mm. he was just saying, oh, it's... I'm a surprise packet. So, really, in fact, Dumoulin was working for Dagenkolb in some of those sprint stages while he was in the lead. So, I, I just don't know. I think that the team, in some ways, was the result that, you know, produced the result that Dumoulin got, which was six in the end. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the, he just had no support in the mountains. And mm. what if. He had a, what two guys just pace him throughout because they attacked quite early on. If they had two guys that paced him, yep. I think it might have been a different story. All right, let's talk about the Vuelta in more detail right after this. Well, it is a bit uh, long in the tooth now. The Vuelta finished last Sunday in uh, Madrid. And the final GC was Fabio Aru first, as we mentioned. Joaquim Rodriguez, 57 seconds down. He didn't quite get that uh, Grand Tour victory that I was hoping for. Rafael Maika uh, snuck onto the podium in third. Quintana and Chavez, fourth and fifth. And Tommy Dumoulin, who we just mentioned, fell all the way down to sixth after that devastating penultimate stage. Um, Tanny, I suppose let's start with... Uh, Fabio Aru, the uh, the overall winner, um, fifty seven seconds in it in the end. Uh, the guy, I suppose, that was, I'm not really sure what to make of Aru's victory, other than 
he did a time trial which probably surprised a few people in the sense that it was reasonably good and that kept him in the frame until the final stage. Was his climbing spectacular or was it just a sort of a consistent grand tour victory? I, I thought he was... I thought he was more spectacular at the the Giro, actually. I mean, if you look at the company, okay, if you look at the who came to the Volta, you go, oh, wow, you know, you have Froome, Quintana, Valverde or Micah. But uh, in terms of the ones who are really trying to, to win the Volta, I feel, I don't know, it's, it's not like it, I'm not trying to take anything away, but just put things into context, I, I think, or... Uh, like you said, Al, the the time trial was for me it was as important for Rue as you know uh, what happened to you know the, the way that Evans I guess salvaged uh, his Tour de France on the stage of the Galibier. You know he pretty much saved his tour on that day. So everyone's talking about the day that Astana ambushed um, Dumoulin on that penultimate stage, but really. He, he saved his Volta you by, know, by two, limiting his losses two days before mm. on, in that time trial. Um, Phil, this is the the Grand Tour victory that I suppose has been coming for a little while mm. now. For he's been quite consistent. We we're talking about that last week, actually. I think he's gotten uh, what over the last four his far, last four Grand Tours. He's now finished first, fifth, third, second, or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it was it wasn't that inevitability to it, but uh, it's no real surprise to see him standing on top step. Yeah, and, and what's interesting there too is that um, you know, out of many of those guys, he's the only one that did not do the Tour de France. Uh, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So you know, there were a lot of guys who looked tired at the end, whereas Aru was mm. he looked fresh, mm. and um, and the team looked ready to support him, even though you know there were a few instances where they looked a little bit ragged around the edges. Um, but he was like stage two. Yeah. Yeah. You know. They mean uh, n- n- nibbles gate. <laughs> um, I still, I still shocked by that. Yeah, that's, that's not uh, shocked, but I'm just amazed. Is that it? They had, they had <laughs> such a bad start to the world turn and a good end. Is there something mm. bittersweet about Astana winning a Grand Tour? Yes, because everyone goes, oh, he looks great. You know, he actually looks like Wallace and Gromit. Doesn't he? Uh, what, what was mm. You mean Gromit? with the ex, ex, sort of uh, exaggerated yeah. facial yeah, he's expression? Got a, he, he's, he's, you know, he's got a great smile. Aru, I think everyone kind of likes the way that he rides. He, he's got panache, but he's with Astana and just gives a a funny know, a funny just, smell to it or something. Yeah, it just feels a bit weird. It's like he's wearing someone strange. else's clothes. Yeah, Vino's clothes. It does. It does. I certainly don't jump up and down and go. No, I don't think anyone does with Astana like you. It's kind of that whole this political analogy they keep throwing around with Abbott. You know, saying that you can keep rolling a turd around in glitter, but it's still a turd. (laughs) It's and and look, uh, you could see that uh, you know in in social media and elsewhere. I mean, the the where people. People wanted Tom Dumoulin to win. Um, oh. They were excited by Esteban uh, Chavez. Yep. Um, even Rafa Maika, you know, who we don't really know that well. Um, mm. You know, he, he, he was terrific. He rode like a professional Grand Tour rider, a guy. Mm. He rode like an experienced Grand Tour rider. Mm. Um, just paced himself throughout the entire three weeks and ended up on the podium. And, uh, you know, a terrific result for him. Um but that's the problem, you know. It's just like you get riders and it's like, uh, you know, everybody who rides for Astana, well, all of a sudden, you know, they've got a, like you say, you know, they're just wrapped in glitter. 
And it's it's hard. They could be the nicest guy in the world. They could be the cleanest guy in the world. But the thing is, they're going to be tarred by association. Uh, one thing so. that's interesting about it is Lander, Mikel Lander is going to Sky next year. I mean, mm. that, that actually flabbergasts me, to be honest, that uh, <coughs> Team Sky, which in in uh, I suppose would espouse a... A values yeah, of but, ethics and yeah, no, but, just because no, you've been with a team, the team this is the problem. that doesn't equate. No. But this is the problem, isn't it? You yeah. know, that where where it's like you, you you know, you lie down with dogs, you're gonna get fleas, you know? And and, and this is what happens to writers like Landa, mm. like Garou, like Nibali, I mean, whatever you think about those guys. Mm. And, you know, nothing's ever stuck to those guys. I mean, those guys are not there's nothing ever to say that those guys have have, have issues with uh, with doping or anything. But again, like I said, they got fleas all over them. And yeah, that's the wider public sentiment, isn't it? <clears throat> I mean, what Al just said, I mean, that's not how I feel, but it's how probably the public feels when you talk. I refuse to talk about cycling at dinner. Mm. <laughs> because it, you mean, cause it inevitably Because ends. there's just too much guilt by association. Yeah, yeah. Mm, Whereas, yeah. you know, you look at somebody like Dumoulin, you know, he comes into the race and, you know, historically he's, you know, he's a clean skin. And the same mm. thing with Chavez. Yeah. And they not only they not only are because of the teams that they're racing on, but they are because historically, you know, we don't, we nothing's ever, there's never been any issues. And, of course, the way they project as well mm. is also important. Maybe there's some, some issues with language here as well mm. because Dumoulin uh, speaks perfect English mm -hmm. and uh, Chavez is on his way but uh, to doing that, but at the same time he's got this tremendous personality which sort of breaks through any language barriers and he's able to connect with people. So, you know, people people react to those things, whereas with somebody like Aru or with... Uh, with um, uh, Nibali, mm. you know, Nibali went the full sulk, you know, on social media and elsewhere, and it's like you've got this language issue, and you know, we don't know who they are really. Yeah, yeah but I, I had know. a great chat with Gorach, <laughs> Gorach Dangeli, who's one of the DSs for Astana in great January. Great time trialist, and he's a Slovenian. Mm. And anyway, we were talking about the problems that they had at the end of last year and different things, and he was putting it into context for me. And and it's part of a greater point of discussion is that you. You can have all of these individuals in, as, as a team and a couple of guys can really stay in the team and therefore, it, it, you know, because of the experiences of 2014, we have a look at Aru's win and we sort of go, yeah, whatever. Okay, Nibali won the tour, it was fantastic, but then the season ended so badly that you just start you start supporting anyone who's not, not them. them. Hmm. So that's that, that worked in Tom's favour, didn't it? Mm. Or, or even uh, Perito's favour. You know, I think hmm. a lot of people in the end were thinking, well, maybe... Wouldn't it be cool? Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know. And that's not to say I wasn't sort of hoping that Aru win. I didn't I didn't really care about the Vuelta who won. It was it was going to be... It was going to be sort of interesting. In, interesting. In, in, yeah, yeah. And, it, and, and it's quite tight in the end. If you look at the top five, there's only three minutes in it. That's mm. pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And and that was that's the objective of a Grand Tour promoter, mm -hmm. is to have a nice tight race where you don't know the result till the end. And... Well, in, in that regard, I think the Vuelta won the Grand Tours this year. But in the terms of, I didn't find it compelling. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have a lot of faith in Aru, to be honest. And I think there's not even to do with <coughs> being on Astana. It's to do with his background, you know, the way he came through the ranks in the Italian amateur scene. But let's, I suppose, let's see where that all goes. But I, I've found, uh, I generally think, you know, when there's like, there are too many sort of sort of you know things in a row, ducks in a row. It becomes a little bit. The cycling is inevitably sort of 
not surprised you in the end. Sounds um, like you lost a bit of faith in cycling. No, I've, I've, not lost, I've not lost faith in cycling. I have faith or in certain, lots certain of teams. Certain teams. I think you just can't. Yeah. You, one, you burnt once, you burnt twice, you burnt three times. You can't be, you know, you're not going to be foolish about it. Um, I think once you're burned, once you're burned. <laughs> yeah. But if I mean, you've got uh, scars from the burn, then you always the, the, burned. Are you talking the, about literal sense in scars? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, what I wanted to say about Giant Alperson, I feel that that team is a team you want to back because they're kind of like a little bit like OG. They're the underdog team. Yeah. They do things differently, whereas uh, the other Dutch team, Lotto NL Jumbo, Jumbo, they try to do they try to copy Sky. Mm. Uh, if if you notice with their methodology, with their press releases, things like that. So they even I, try to um, make the, fudge their results a bit by having yellow jerseys. So, yes. you know, it looks <laughs> like they're always leading the tour. Yes. Um, actually, my girlfriend was looking at the world tour the other day and she was like, oh, there's so many, like, who, who's that guy in the yellow? I was like, oh, no, that's just a team. And they are, are they allowed to do that? I was like, well, yeah. n- not really in some ways. It's but confusing. They should, yes. Yeah, what do you mean at the world tour? Well, yeah, I mean, the Jumbo guys. With, you know, I mean, obviously, it's not it's not the same jersey because the red jersey at the Vuelta. Yeah. But, but it so used you just to explained be... that, and that, that was the end of the discussion, and you kept eating your dinner. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was that was the whole story, Rob. <laughs> this is the things that transpire over dinner at the Shares Heinz. Well, we finally heard about the girlfriend. I was waiting for the mate from Touch Football who seems to come back all the time. <laughs> she's she's very nice. She's quite fetching. Oh dear. In me. the same way that Pauline Fetching. Stop while you're ahead. Okay, I was never I'll never <laughs> be ahead. Um, let's uh, let's let's uh, let's keep the discussion rolling on. Uh, in terms of one thing that I suppose that come, does come up with Aru winning a Grand Tour is that it means that Astana suddenly has uh, more headaches in terms of who they take to the Tour de France next year and who they support for leadership. We don't. I mean, uh, cycling's history has been uh, littered with co co leaders, which is inevitably. You know, it's all unfurled very quickly in in that sort of uh, leadership context. spills. Hashtag spill. Well, I, yeah, think, I don't think yeah. co-leadership can work. So we're kind of saying that if co-leadership can't work, then what does that mean for Nibali? What does that mean for Aru next year? Or should one of them think about leaving the team? Well, it seems there's going to be a quite a few teams next year that are going to front up with two leaders or at least... Uh, um, a co- well, a co-leader or a I don't know what you want to what's what's below a deputy a deputy leader that's what I wanted to say a, Ju- a, a Julie Ju- a Julie Bishop yeah so Julie they, Bishop they now called Plan B's inside so, uh, Plan B's so who's, isn't that what happened we've got a lot of Julie Bishops <laughs> next and probably at next year's tour if we extrapolate we've got Richie Port at BMC uh, who's it we've got at Sky maybe is, Lander is he, if Froom Dog doesn't do too good there. Good, uh, uh, Leopold Koenig. Koenig. There's always Valverde, you know, is there. This Valverde, he just keeps hanging around. Look at him there. He's seventh again. Like a bad yeah. smell. Yeah. Oh. Not everyone's no. a bad smell. Um, <laughs> oh, is that a bad smell in here? Uh, no, I'm joking. I don't mind uh, the guy now, you know. I love him. I love him. I've always loved him. No, I don't love him. Not in that just, way, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. What sort of way? that way. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Tomo's By got By the a, way... Phil's taking his clothes off as we... It's a bit weird. No, it's not. No, it's a bit no, weird. No, no, no. 
Yeah. <laughs> what about Louis Manches? Can we chuck a little thing in about him? Because, I mean, I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Only a couple of years ago he was fighting it out against Caleb Ewan in the Under-23 World yep. Road Race Championship. That's when I first remember seeing him. Yep. Mm. He comes 10th oh. overall. He's okay, admittedly yeah. 10 minutes down, but still. M10. <laughs> And, and he's off to Lamprey. Yeah, and yeah. He's what do you make of that? What do you know. what do you make of Lamprey? Well, I mean, sure you, you kind of know the guy quite well, don't you, Rob Brent Copeland? No, no, oh, don't know much it's got to be to do with Copeland yeah. though, help. because that's a, it's a yeah. South African connection, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. an I, it's an odd move. I, I mean, but obviously he thinks maybe he's going to get some GC chances there and you know more support. And he's very young. He's still what twenty four. Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's a great little climber, but you know. And Danny Marino, <coughs> he, he's still, as far as I know, without contract. He comes top ten in the Vuelta. And he looked, in the early part of Vuelta, he looked a lot stronger than Rodriguez. Mm, but right. then right. turned out to be seven minutes worse than him yep. over the course. Yep. Uh, just on Rodriguez, Phil, before we move on to uh, greener pastures, this is, do you think, can we finally draw a line in the sand and say that's there is not going to be a Grand Tour in Joachim's career? Yes. So you're going to draw that line in, in pen in That's, the sand, uh, even though it, that won't actually, the ink won't go to the sand because it'll... Yeah, not even pen, I just wouldn't even write him in there. I know he's finished second. It's hard to say. You know, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, you say that about a guy who just finished only 57 seconds off the podium and you go, he's never going to win a Grand Tour in his entire life mm -hmm. for the rest of his career. But that's the reality we're faced with or he's faced with. But, uh, you know... They a lot could of, not uh, put time trials in a Grand Tour. Then he could... You know, yeah, more or less. But he 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 admitted but, uh, that. They he pretty admitted much that. did that at this year's tour. tour. Yeah, I, mean, no, I know. Yeah. yeah, but then but he, he went and picked stages, didn't yeah. he? Mm -hmm. But he's he admitted that at, at this year's Vuelta. I mean, he's he's just like, well, this is my career. This is what it's destined to be. So I can't change it. That's right. A lot um, of people like second place more than first place, don't they? Well, I'm yeah. pretty sure he'd love to have a grand. I mean, in he'd France, he'd be super popular. He'd be, he'd, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He'd be the biggest thing since, since Bernardino. Yeah. It's true. It's true. But that's the thing, isn't it? You know, it's like... it. it and, the know. also man. Or the yeah, almost he's, man. He's, he's the Spanish <coughs> Pulador. Raymond yeah. Pulador. Poo-poo. Yeah. Or the Zutamelk. Yeah, yeah Zutamelk. He finished uh, like four, third, second, like... Six times. Six times. Bloody yeah. hell. Well, at least he got one, though, didn't he? Zutamelk? Yeah, 1980. Can I just say something about this Vuelta? You may. Right. Um, Come on, Phil. So while we're talking about uh, Rodriguez no longer being being a, a Grand Tour candidate, or we don't see him as a Grand Tour candidate because of his age mm -hmm. and because of the nature of his, his riding, one of the things that the, um, the Vuelta exposed for me is, or sorry, it, 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 it's kind of broadened the number of general classification riders that are out there now. I think that's pretty well confirmed. So what the Vuelta has done for me is say, We've now, we can now add Ralph Almeica mm -hmm. as to a potential GC winner. Um, Esteban Chavez as somebody who may be able to win a, win a Grand Tour at some point. And, of course, you've got um, uh, Quintana still in the mix. But, this, but uh, you've also got this Dutch <clears throat> and, and Tom, Tom, Dum Tom Dumoulin. Yeah. So what we've now had from this race is three new potential candidates to throw into the mix in any Grand Tour mm. to the existing it's getting pretty crowded. It's getting isn't crowded, it? and it's looking to me like we may be ending up in a bit of a golden age of Grand Tour yeah. riders uh, having more. You know, most years it's what three guys who could win any any given race, three four guys, and now all of a sudden we may have seven or eight, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Which For, is amazing. Yeah, I, I, but the Vuelta is so different to the Tour. Yeah. Look at Quintana; he never mm. looked like he was. And, no, yet, no, and yet he's no. still there. But, and, and yet he still finished fourth. <laughs> yeah, sure, but, then, but that's what we were talking about in advance of the Vuelta, where you, you know that they're doing concerted 
altitude sessions before the tour. They're doing everything absolutely right. And the, the world ends up being that, oh, well, should we go along? Oh, why not? Yeah. Let's see what we've that, got. That was the Chris Froome thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, nine out of ten guys, I reckon, rode this Walter blind. You know, they didn't recon any stages. I mean... Like Andy Schleck and Stuart O'Grady. Yeah. No. <laughs> not that kind no, of blind. No, not, not that kind. That's, that, that happened, what, in Toulouse, didn't it? When Wasn't it that the beat, Vuelta where they got up. kicked out? Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, anyway. Oh, right. I thought you were talking about the night that Stewie and Hank went out in no, Toulouse no, and they got beaten up with no, a windscreen no, no, wiper. No, we're talking about when Stewie took, uh, took the Trek boys out for, yeah. a, mm. for a but, wee dram or, or but, 12. Following on from your point, Seriously, Phil, um, I think the the Giro and the Volta will benefit from the fact that it's now being conclusively proven that doing a trying to do a good GC mm. Giro Tour and Tour Volta is not possible. Uh, therefore, that plays in the hands of the Giro and the Volta because the Giro Volta is certainly possible. Yep. But then there's only a certain segment of guys. Who will just who prepared to risk everything to to ride the tour? So it actually works out well for all three Grand Tours. Mm-hmm. Bit of extra profile, maybe, yep. and yeah. and, the de- and the increased depth in in the general classification potentials, which means that you'll have at least you know maybe four guys in each one of those races who are going to be in the in the frame to win each one of those races but right. do, at just, any one time. Can I raise just another? Curious point that Phil talked about as we walked in here about the emotional commitment that it, that the Vuelta requires. Hmm. And from a spectator or from yeah, a spectator? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about, you know, everyone, not everyone, but most people make July have it associated with the Tour de France and they put aside their, their, their viewing time or to, to, to be in, ensconced in it hmm. and they get wrapped up in it and, and, and there's saturation media and it allows them to follow it. But come Vuelta time, you know, you've got football finals approaching, different things are happening, springs in the air. I don't know. I, I didn't find it as easy to... I found it very difficult to watch the Vuelta. Mm. Uh, I'm curious to know how, how, how the audience figures were. Yeah. What, the, what the Well, they're always well, down well, and there is an emotional exhaustion, I yeah. think. Yeah. And you, t- and I think you tend Giro to pick and choose your stages really. as a result and then sometimes, I mean, I, I wanted really wanted to watch the penultimate stage I fell asleep mm. and I woke up. With, I, just, I didn't even know. Well, it was like there was still stuff going on, but the stage had finished. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a difficult. Yeah. It's just the difficulty of, of watching <laughs> watching cycling in Australia is these is these late nights, and of course with the Vuelta as well, the starts tend to be a lot later. Mm. Uh, yeah. So you, you know when the when the when the broadcast starts. Um, the confluence of factors, Phil. Yeah, but yeah. also and you did the, the full Giro live on SBS. You do the full Tour de France live. Yep. You only did the last week. So it's to not borrow just a political analogy. But for the fans, mm. for the fans, it's it's a big ask to ask them to to, to sit down and watch three Grand Tours mm. each year and and live their lives and you know go to work and and mm. that sort of thing. But we still put it on, and you know we do have an audience. But this it just means that things like the highlights the following day become more important and. Uh, mm. You know, so that's it. All right, let's let's move on and let's talk about um, some Australian news. Oh, uh. what's new? What, what is new? Oza, new Oza, new Oza, new That's just made up. Blend of Dutch and <laughs> Italian and Spanish. News. Did you do Latin in school? <laughs> I did do Latin in school, actually. Yeah. And other languages? 
Uh, did English, fr- French, and Spanish. Okay, but then I just play around in here. I, I just I so just, Nuoza is actually that's not that's a, nothing. It's, it's nothing, not a derivative mate. of anything. It's just I just no. It, just I was gibberish. I was just is that all right? No, just curious. Yeah. <laughs> We haven't had an argument Far yet, and we're out. 20 minutes Wrong's in. Bloody <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Uh, I've been away for a few weeks. We've got to catch mm. up. News from Australia. News from Australia. This is uh, this is going to be your your bit, Rob. My bit. Are you ready, Rob? I'm ready. Um, okay. Uh, Jack Bobridge confirmed Stop. Tre- Trek Factory Racing. Uh, he'll be based in Girona next year as he prepares for the Rio Olympic Games. Obviously, he'll be a big part of the team pursuit for Australia. Uh, but I suppose the big question, Robin, you did speak to him earlier this week, is can he crack it again in the World Tour? He's had a few opportunities. Once he was yeah. with Garmin, he was with Orica Greenedge, he was with uh, what became Blanco uh, and then yep. sort of the the ends of Rabobank. Can he crack it again with Trek? Is Trek the right oh, environment? Yeah. Can he not just go and do a good... It's an interesting Olympics. predicament. I mean, he's hmm. got, my understanding is it's a one-year contract and my understanding is that they've also been extremely supportive of his Olympic bid. So, in other words, there's not very many teams out there that are going to take on riders that have got one objective and that's a, a race that's not even in team colours. But Trek has, has, has taken him on board knowing that he, he's going to... Well, let's 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 forecast that he's going to have a, a good January, like he did last year. Put on a big show at the time of the year when 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 Australian cyclists are, are gaining attention, when there's a good vibe, when there's interest in in the new season and the new colours, and then he'll pretty much slip into track mode and go to the Olympics, and 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 Trek will just sort of nurture that through. And I don't think it's a super high-paying contract. We didn't talk about money when I spoke to him, but I don't think that he's in it for the money. I think he's in it for the opportunity to go back to Dorona, pick up on the lifestyle that he had, get through the Olympic cycle, and then hopefully from that, you know, continue in the world too. Uh, I don't th- I, I, my, my belief is that his move to Trek isn't going to be enormous... Uh, and it won't have an enormous impact on the road in 2016. For Trek, what do you think is... I mean, maybe Phil, maybe Trek. I mean, Trek, we know that he's going to Trek. Why Trek and what do you think it's in it for them? I mean, what do they see in Bobbitt? Just a, someone who can fly the flag for them no, in no, these high-profile events? No, I think, I think, I think. well, it, it, it's, uh, you know, they, they're in the Australian marketplace. Mm. It's good to have an Australian rider of quality riding Anglo, their bikes and Anglo. being seen. Mm. He's Anglo as well. Um, but I think it's, it's about what team can support Jack Bobridge's Olympic ambitions, you know, at a world tour level. Now, certainly he would have not had an issue with budget forklifts, mm-hmm. right? He would have had the full support of the team. Uh, would be good for them as well. And I think a but, lot of credit has to go to Tim Luning and, and, Ca- and Cameron from the team that looked after him for yes, the year, you yeah. know. He didn't get huge results with budget, let's no, face it. No. But he got them plenty of exposure. Yeah, got them exposure with the hour record attempt and that sort of thing. But realistically, there are only there are really only like three teams at the World Tour level who I think really understand the ambitions of Olympic athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one obviously is Sky, who's able to accommodate that. The other one is Orca Green Edge, right? And I think Trek would be among those as as a team that has that understanding um, mm-hmm. of what it takes to do something that's outside of the normal World Tour grind. Mm-hmm. Um, Trek is obviously in a, a bit of a rebuilding phase. I think necessary for them. Um, you know, maybe Jack just comes in and shakes things up for them as well. Um, you know, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see this as a, <clears throat> it's a it's I don't a want to sound harsh, but it's almost a publicity stunt because 
you know, yes, he, he provides publicity in the way that yes, he's going to Rio. He he will be might be part of the you know gold medal winning ride. Yes, mm. uh, in terms of his road Palmares, I mean, there's nothing to say that he's going to suddenly turn that around and to put him on a one year contract is almost that that almost affirms my my feelings but but you know reading you know reading the press release and i don't know what you know what uh, what you got out of that that interview as well but i mean the press release that say or he stated explicitly was that for him it was as a breakaway rider and a time trialist mm. for the team mm. so he has a specific role to play uh, that's not about turning around his career as such it's about being a guy that you place in certain situations. Um, I think it's just a so little bit... I don't know, maybe he's one of those guys who does right on motivation. We saw him do an unbelievable mm. performance at the Tour Down Under. He won a stage, he won the King of the Mountains, he was on the break in over mm. Wollonga. He was doing all of those things and putting on a big show. And then he did his hour and then he, you know, he came third in the time trial in the Tour of Toowoomba, you know, and, and he didn't really get a great deal of results. But if you look back, I mean, you still... When I... Uh, we published a piece on Ride Media uh, after the announcement that he'd joined and and I was going back through... Uh, I've followed Jack's career and that's why I, I, I'm quite engaged by him because he raced the Olympics as one of the youngest cyclists Australia's ever had in the Olympics. Uh, he was uh, one, 19 and one month when he raced in Beijing. Uh, they came fourth. Then he, you know, he, he's... And then since then... His results have been consistent and some of his performances are absolutely outstanding and that individual pursuit world record just blows my mind that he was able to beat Chris Boardman's Superman position. And we've talked about that before and we've understood that it was in ideal conditions and all of these things, but the pedigree that he has is amazing. He had a, 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 what would you call it, a a downward spiral couple of years where he just, the, the fame got to him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he didn't manage it very well. But I, I'm truly of the belief and I'm suppo- I support the comeback because I think that he's really calmed down his act. He's, he's, he's trying to give the booze away and make sure that that's really a public statement because it, it had been a problem. Mm-hmm. And we know about the DUI. We don't want to harp on about the, the negative, but, but, but the fact that he's had the negative makes it more of a story because people can sort of hopefully have some sympathy for this guy who's become a parent recently, who's trying to tame his way, who's had a rogue element. And, I don't know, I find him engaging. Is and he it, certainly it, it, speaks really it, it, well. It, it, and he rides a bike with panache and so he looks He speaks fantastic. okay. So he speaks okay. What, really well. No, he, he, he puts his he's heart thoughtful. on his... He, yeah. he, he, he tells it like it yeah. is. He doesn't mm. try and hold back. There's no media training at all. And I find, no. that, I find that good. Yeah, uh, because it's honest. Is this? I mean, would there be parallels to someone like Matt Goss? You know, someone who's had a child, uh, has a family, has had a a whirlwind bit of success, and then but he never got paid the dollars that Goss got. But mm. Warbridge was on reasonable money, I think, mm. at Green, both Green Edge and at uh, Blanco, from what I understand. Blanco, yeah, I mean, I think but he was Goss, Goss was in the he, he was the in the over the millions <laughs> territory, especially after he finished second at Cavendish. Uh, was that in 2011? Yeah, 2011 in Cope. Was that in Copenhagen? So I, I just feel, yeah, I'm not sure where you can compare those two. I just feel when someone's on a one-year contract, it's almost like a, an assassin. You know, you, you need to deliver, and then once you've delivered, you're out. Uh, I mean, 
professional cycling it's just so ruthless I'm not sure where there's any room for sympathy and then uh, I mean also not to make too much of it but you know Bobridge has admitted he's got a degenerative disease or a condition I should say uh, rheumatoid arthritis so how how is how is that going to affect him as an endurance athlete on the road? I mean, is he ever going to be a, a tour rider? I, I don't uh, think so. No, I, I don't. But I don't think he has to be. Right? But okay, if, if, if you if, say if he's going to go to time trialing and um, you know and breakaways, I mean the time trial. Look at look at the the time trials we've got now. I mean he's. He's ne- he hasn't performed at that world tour level in in time trials. He's only done well in tour down under. He had a great tour down under, but what happens after that? If he's got such a strong you know affinity towards Australian racing and stuff like that, well, most most of the racing he's going to do is not going to be in Australia. I think it highlights a broader problem of cycling, and by that I mean that there's this assumption that a good a good a talented athlete is going to do a, have a great road career, mm. but this is a super talented athlete who's got, done <coughs> remarkable things, remarkable things on the track and good things on the road, and he's if 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 they make it to the the gold medal ride for the team pursuit in Rio, that's for me it's going to be the best three and three minutes fifty seconds, 50 seconds. Of, of cycling in a long time. It's going to be so exciting. Whoever's in the final, and he's not saying he's told me the other day that he doesn't expect that it's just going to be the Australia versus GB, like a lot of people are assuming that the Kiwis, who are the world champions now, are, are likely to be up there in the fold and, and, and taking it to them. And track cycling is the, the point of my my rant is that track cycling should be more prominent. It should have a greater affinity with the public. People should be able to enjoy it more. They can see it all for a start. I've gone on about this in the past and Jack Bobridge should be lauded as for his track achievements but instead we're saying, oh, I don't think he's going to make it as a road rider. And, and it seems... Well, that, that's, that's, but that's, that's what he's getting paid for, Rob. But that's what track no, factory racing that. is. It's a professional well, road contract, so not a professional as, track contract. I guess it's part of what should be an ongoing conversation about the importance of the Olympics. In cycling terms, the Olympics is this novelty act that comes along every four years and basically interrupts things. Hmm. And I'm not a big fan of the Olympics, but I'm a big fan of the team pursuit. Hmm. And if we can all... I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm genuinely... I was genuinely excited about the prospect of what came in London and to see that 351 ridden by the GB against against Bob Bridge and Dennis and Glenn O'Shea and, and Michael Hepburn. That was unreal in 2012. What's going to come next year in Rio? I'm not sure, but I, I still think that this team pursuit, people should yeah, yeah. watch it. Watch but, it, but watch I mean, it. It's so exciting. Sure, it's, it's, I mean, it's a romantic thing to think about, but, I mean, you can't force people and the reality is do people care enough? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to make... Is that going to ch- is it going to change the way Bobridge is perceived if he does very well at Team Pursuit and then no. gets another contract the year after? No. Yeah. But that's the mm. I, I guess that's the point that I'm trying to make is that there's all this emphasis on what happens on the road, but but cycling is is a, a broader context than that. The track cycling should be bigger than it is, and for some reason it's just not. Mm. It just keeps eating itself. We'll, we'll leave that there. Uh, just in other Aussie news, uh, in, I suppose keeping it. Domestic uh, Darren Lapthorne, who's been a stalwart of the Drapak Professional Cycling for many years, uh, probably been with them, or other than a, an interrupted couple of seasons where I think he semi-retired once, and he also rode overseas with Rafa Condor, I believe. Mm. Uh, he will be hanging it up, I think, this time for good. Um, Tony, kind of a bit of an end of an era for Drapak. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he he was he's kind of their captain on their on the road. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a funny one because he's yeah he's he's Mister Nice Guy, so it's it's very difficult. Well, I don't really feel like I need to say anything negative about him, but it's just I think it's just time, I and mean, you just can't keep doing this year after year is he is he improving not really he's he's just having fun and you know there reaches a point where you go okay i'm deriving an income from it but is Where's it, this all is going? it sating my life. appetite yep, for yep. life and i i think he's reached a point well it's it's not anymore just going traveling spending you know as i know as a journalist spending 200 plus days a year out of the suitcase that was fun but after five years <laughs> i was over it hmm. um, um you know he's he's done it for 10 years Rob, you know just quick reflections on on lapthorn's career was, uh, I remember going to the Nationals in 2007 and I was driving the course with Scott McGrory and he was giving me the full rundown on why Lapthorne would win. And I it's and I didn't really know Darren at all at the time. And, and then we watched and we followed the breakaway and we watched the way that he rode. And when he finished, it was phenomenal. I really enjoyed that day. And it's one of those moments that stay in my mind as being a highlight of my cycling career. It was just wonderful because I wasn't expecting him to win. He beat a lot of bigger name riders. And, but he did it with class and, and, and absolute, yeah, yeah just yeah. with panache. And, and he's, he looks fantastic on a bike. He conducts himself so well when mm. he's in interviews, when he just generally he's a good guy to that, talk to. That, that thing about the bike, sitting the way he sits on the bike, yeah. right? right? It's, it's, it's um, poetry. You know, it's interesting, you know, because what you've got here is you've got, you know, a rider that most people would consider to be a journeyman a journeyman rider, but he's, he's got a few ticks on his career. Mm. But it's one of the things that always struck me with him is like his build and the way he sits on a bike. He's a very elegant peddler. He's, he's, he's an elegant, he has an elegant position on the mm. bike. Mm. He always looks comfortable when he's riding. He, he never looks like he's really putting an enormous amount of effort into, into generating power. Mm. And yet there he is, you know, I, sometimes I wonder with guys like him, it's like, what, what did he need to do to make it to another level that he didn't do? Mm. What does it, what was he missing? Because when you look at him as a package, Right, you see, it seems you know, like a lot of the boxes. Got, all the boxes are being ticked, mm. and yet he never made it to mm. world tour level. It's it's fascinating, isn't oh, it? I it think is, a, does he I have think to he needed be a lucky break or something. Maybe it, mongrel. Uh, I think he just needed a lucky break. I think he needed someone to say, "Look, we'll, we'll take you on for a, a year." And so. he had a couple of bad breaks rather yes. than, than good breaks. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was sort of beset by moments of bad luck, whether professionally, personally. Ah, mm. oh, I just feel yeah. But more broadly speaking, yeah, he's. He's often associated with Drapak. You know, he's the guy, he's almost the spokesperson in a way, a de facto spokesperson for mm. the team. So this will be the thing that I think that Drapak will miss most, the the the, you know, the benefactor, Michael Drapak, will miss most about the absence of lap. Such a professional face. Just, yeah, the, mm. the consummate professional mm. turning mm. up, the, the well-rounded mm. Guy, yeah. What's interesting is that we're all talking about way, in, in glowing ways. terms, but this is a, the, the, as a podcast that can go internationally. So I wonder how many people outside Australia hmm. even understand who we're talking about. Yeah, mm. you probably, know, probably. we all we yeah. all saying very positive things about Darren Lapthorne, but a lot of people elsewhere in the world will be saying, "Who are they going on about here?" Yeah, and and it's odd that uh, after ten years as a professional and a that successful be, professional, that can be your profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 but you know, he's. He's, he's he's a nice bloke, and we know we know who he is, and you know we know what he's done. All right, and winning a national championships is not something to sneeze at. Phil, we'll we'll, uh, we'll leave uh, Lappy there. Uh, I think 
the perhaps most interesting thing will be where Drapak goes from here because I think it'll it might be a, a good thing for them to reinvent and uh, and move forward a bit because I think they have been stuck with quite a few characters who have sort of stayed with the team, which has been good, but it might mm. give them the ability to have a bit more uh, freshness. Uh, we'll we'll uh, be following that closely and good luck uh, to Darren to wherever he goes. Quickly, finally, we're just going to look at the road world. Obviously, the road world road races will be happening uh next weekend not this weekend uh so we'll go through them in a bit more detail then but just quickly a quick brief preview of what's to come in the next few days well the world championships start on the 20th of september they run through to the 27th that's sunday through sunday that starts with the team time trial that's a trade team time trial for both women and men and then we'll go through the respective time trials for the under 23s juniors men and women and uh, the same with the road races the circuit for richmond which is the host of the 2015 world championships is 16.2 kilometers uh described in the road book as challenging technical and inner city uh not that much climbing, less than 3,000 or about <coughs> 3,000 metres of elevation, which is not that much historically for a, a road race course. Sounds a bit like you, Al. Challenging, technical and inner city. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest uh, thing you've said in a while. That was, that was pretty good. Um, two cobbled climbs, uh, which probably some people might not realise when you look at the profile. Um, one up a hill called Libby Hill and there's a second one up, it, up a street but climb. But is it cobbles? Or is it, is it a, street cobbles or no. Roubaix cobbles? I know yeah, what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, or is it just a bloody someone's thrown a stone in the middle of the street? <laughs> Either way, it's not Roubaix. It's not Roubaix. No. I don't think anyone's expecting it to be Roubaix. It's a section of tarmac that's not exactly tarmac. But, it, but, they, but are, not, yeah. they are uphill as well, which means that the climbs will be a little bit tougher. They require a bit more mm-hmm. power. Uh, false flat finish and... Uh, yeah, uh, that, 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 is, that is the course in a nutshell. We, I think we all, that my overview of the world is this. I wish I was going because I think Australia is going to smash it this year. Really? Yeah. I think we're going to win. Rowan's going to win the rainbow jersey in the time trial. I yeah. agree with that. Michael Matthews or, Very Simon, strong or Simon Gerrans or we've got a few chances in the road race <laughs> for the men. Uh, I can't remember all of the selection for the women uh, uh, for Australia, but I think that we're got some super talent there Cromwell, going. Elvin, Garfoot, uh, Lizzie Taylor, Carly Taylor. And and I think that it's going to be lots of talk about rainbow jerseys in the coming weeks. Uh, Lizzie Williams, not Lizzie Taylor. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, yes, there there will be there will indeed. Uh, I suppose we've got next week to talk about the road races. So yeah. just quickly before we wrap it up, uh, the team time trial, the trade team time trial which will be the main uh, event which we can probably look at with some certainty. The one that BMC is going to win? Well, probably BMC is going to win. I mean, what do you think, Phil? I mean, is it going to be set for a repeat? Uh, I mean, we've got the usual characters, yeah. OPQ, uh, ETEX Quickstep, Green Edge, BMC, BMC um, Mobistar, mm, throw them yeah. in the mix. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that's sort of how it's going to play out, right? Um, I, Jelly I, I, Belly. <laughs> <laughs> Jelly Belly. Yeah, because... A Ravanti uh, sending yeah. a team? Oh, or? that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah this yeah, is yeah. going to be this weird thing. We're going to get this <laughs> no, huge no, disparity this, in the times, Yeah, but man. this is a fun event. It's I fun. I, I threw Jelly Belly. Uh, right. does, does Jelly Belly get a start? Yeah, um, they uh, do. They do. How does that work? It depends on who's I don't who's know how leading, it works, but they're, they're going. Yeah, who's leading that, that, that America's thing. So, But look, this is a fun event, okay? Mm. So I don't, I don't think we can, we can place an enormous amount of, 
uh, importance on it. But it's something fun and, and, and fun to watch because it is a trade team's thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you like it or not, the one good thing about it is is the team that does win usually puts in an amazing time. And it is a world tour team. And it is a world tour battle for the most part. And it's, it's, uni- it's, it's great to be able to watch them just go head to head in something like this outside of the context of a race. Mm. It's just like, let's go flat chat and see what happens. Yeah, but I, I just think it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think, think, it's think of the, the cost. Think of the cost. That's why so many teams ca- cannot go, cannot go. Phil. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Because think of the cost of sending, you know, what is it? Do they go with eight or nine riders? I don't know. Imagine. Well, yeah. All I'll say is tune in because it is fun. Yeah, right? it's fun. It's, yeah. fun. Just it's really fun, fun, guys. It's stupid fun. Yeah. But, no, um, it's a super great event, but I'm just saying at the world championship level, I don't yeah. understand okay. trade teams. Fun's relative as well. Fun's for me is going to the park and going on my scooter. Can, yeah. I, can I just talk about the times? Yeah, can, yeah go. Okay. So we, no, start yes. our coverage, we start our coverage on SBS uh, with that team time trial. We're, we start at 2.10 a.m. on Monday morning. The race is in Richmond, so the times are not necessarily Australia-friendly, right? Tough going, but we start at 2.10 with the women's team time trial. 2.10 in the morning. In the yeah. morning, on Monday morning, mm. and uh, finishing up at 6 a.m. when with the end of the men's team time trial, so we're going right through. And most of the times are pretty consistent, so, I mean, like, for example, the men's under-23 te- uh, time trial starts at 4 a.m. and finishes at 6.15, so you'll be able to catch the back of that mm. if you get up at say five yeah, just while you're right? putting on your so, kit to go for your ride yeah yeah not too bad so we're streaming all of these uh online plus they're going to be on sbs um in on uh the main channel plus uh, hd and just so you know the men's road race we're going to start our streaming at 10 to 11 in the evening and we will finish at 6 a.m and I'm dead already. So that, oh that'll be fun. God. Oh I'm my glad God. I rested up during the world. Huh? <laughs> um, okay. All right. All right. So, but tune in. Tune in if you can. Join me because, look, I'm going to need some of you to keep me awake. So it is cycling. Yeah. It is late night, but it's completely different to your usual schedule. So yeah. it's just plan accordingly. I don't yeah. know how many people will be managing that, that. Those times are about as friendly as ISIS. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, guys, on that, on that note, Tanny, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up. Uh, Rob, it's been a pleasure uh, to thank have you, you back. Uh, Phil, good to see you. No worries. Thanks, Tanny, Al. Tanny, uh, for everyone else, thanks for joining us. You can find Cycling Central on Twitter, at Cycling Central. Tanny's at Anthony underscore. Phil is Phil underscore Gomes. Philip underscore Gomes. Rob is at Ride Media HQ, and I'm Al underscore Hines. This podcast is also available directly on SoundCloud and on iTunes. That's it. Bye for now. <laughs>